The first part of today's reading is taken from Hosea chapter 1 verse 2 to chapter 2 verse 1 and this can be found on page 854 of the church bible. Hosea's wife and children. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Goma, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Goma conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call her Loruhema, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to the house of Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to the house of Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horses and horsemen, but by the Lord their God. After she had weaned Lorohema, Goma had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Lomi, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. And this is the word of the Lord. Before I begin, shall we pray? Lord God, thank you for the messages that we can hear through your prophets. And I pray that as we think about the story of Hosea this morning, that you'd speak to our lives today. Amen. It was 15 years since Joe had last seen Hosea. Holy Hosea, they'd called him at school. But when he walked into the school reunion, Joe recognised him straight away. He'd um, filled out a bit, but hey, who hadn't? And he seemed to recognise Joe too. Joe, great to see you, he said as soon as he saw him. And then he introduced the stunning blonde at his side as his wife. Joe thought, wow, Hosea, you've done well for yourself. They did the usual exchanges, catching up on the rec their recent histories and the gossip, you know, who'd married who, who was working where, the scandals, etc. And then... Uh, Joe said to Hosea's wife, Goma, so what do you do? Oh, I work in the leisure industry, she said, with a smile. Later, in the school hall, then Hosea went off to get another round of drinks of warm beer in plastic cups, leaving Joe to talk to Goma. Joe had never been much good at small talk. So Goma, he said, the le leisure industry, you mean like Swimming pools and, and, and sports centres. No, she said, and then closer. Private escort work. And then she put her hand in her pocket and pulled out a card. My mobile number. Give me a ring. We should meet up. 
Just then, Hosea returned with the drinks and he continued to tell Joe all about his work at the church and the Bible study group that met in their house. Joe was a bit puzzled, but just then a small child came running up, shouted, Mummy, nobody wants to play ball with me. Joe was just about to crouch down and, and offer to throw a ball for the child when Hosea beat him to it. Here you are, unloved. Here's a ball. The girl smiled and ran off, calling to her siblings, I've got the ball, nobody. Ausfitch, it's your turn to bowl. Joe just shook his head, baffled. Holy Hosea had married a prostitute and seemed to have named his children Ausfitch, unloved, and nobody. Just what was going on? He, he, he didn't want to think about it, so he made his excuses and, and, and slipped off to catch up with some other old friends. But a couple of weeks later, Hosea got in touch with Joe and suggested they meet up. He almost said no, but he got on well with Hosea in the past, so okay, he went round and maybe he'd find out what was really going on. Goma's out tonight, I'm afraid, Hosea apologised when Joe knocked the front door. Now, Joe was actually rather relieved. So they chatted for a while and they seemed to pick up where they'd left off, as if they'd not been apart for so long. And so Joe plucked up the courage to ask Hosea about Goma. Just what was going on? He didn't know what he was expecting, but Hosea's reply was certainly, well, something of a surprise. I was praying really hard for a wife, a good woman who'd support me in my ministry and be a good mother when the time came, Hosea started. And one day, I met Goma, and I just knew that she was the one for me. And more than that, I knew that God wanted me to marry her. Oh, she was so beautiful. I, I didn't think I'd stand a chance, but we got chatting, and she let me take her out for coffee. We had some lovely long walks by the river. It was love. And after a couple of months, I was sure. She really was the one for me. I loved her smile, her laugh, her little ways. But there was more to it than that. By then, God had also made it clear that uh, my marriage was never going to be an easy one. He'd given me messages before, of course. I, that's always been part of my ministry. But never something like this. This time, he was asking me to live out his message. You see, God was asking me to love someone who would betray me, just like the people have betrayed God. I didn't think I could save her, but I loved her. And I knew that this was God's plan. So we got married. I know that, that she's unfaithful to me. It breaks my heart. But maybe now I really understand, for the first time, the pain that God feels when his people are unfaithful to him. After that, Joe and Hosea met up regularly. Joe was glad that he could be there for Hosea to talk to as things went from bad to worse. And then one day, Hosea told him that Goma had left, and this time it looked like it was for good. But Hosea 
kept praying. He kept preaching God's word too. Joe thought that his sermons were painful and yet beautiful to listen to. They were filled with, with sharp satirical poetry and clever wordplay and vivid imagery. But it wasn't just his rhetoric style that made him so compelling. It was the way that he meant every word. And when he spoke about God's love for the wayward people, well, it was as if he knew how much their disobedience pained God. And then one day, Joe saw Goma huddled on a bench in the park, just smoking cigarette after cigarette and watching the smoke rise. Her skin was grey, her eyes hollow. Gone were the knowing looks and, and whispered giggles. She just looked lost. I didn't realise what I was throwing away, she told him. I thought Hosea was straight-laced and didn't know how to have fun. But now I realise that he has what I really want. He has peace and love in his heart. If only I could turn the clocks back. But now, well, look at me. I'm trapped in debt, self-loathing. I don't think I could even bear for him to see me like this. That night, Joe went round to Hosea's. Now, he'd hardly started to tell his friend about his meeting with Goma when Hosea interrupted. Oh, I think I know what you've come to tell me. You see, this morning I was praying and God told me that the time had come to forgive her and take her back. And it sounds like she's ready too. If she wants a fresh start, I'll do whatever it takes to redeem her. The next time, Joe and Hosea met up, things had really changed. Goma was home again and she changed, softened somehow. As she handed him an invitation to a service where they'd renew their marriage vows, Joe realised that she looked happy for the first time. And as for Hosea, well, he looked like a young man in the first flush of love. Joe heard how he'd paid off Goma's debts and helped her clean herself up, even supporting her through rehab. And now, as Joe looked at the couple standing with their arms around the children, he could see that this painful love story really did have a happy ending. It sounded like the whole family had a hope for the future. The children had even taken new names. Auschwitz had become Israel, which means God plants. Unloved was now Ruhama, which means beloved. And nobody became Ami, which means my people. And while they were telling him this, Joe found out something else as well. Hosea means salvation, a very fitting name for a man whose very life tells the story of God's saving love, Joe thought. From Hosea chapter 2, verse 16 to chapter 3, verse 1. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the bells from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. 
In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land, so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth, and the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Hosea's reconciliation with his wife. The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another, by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. This is the word of the Lord. So you might think that that story about Hosea that I just told you was too far-fetched to even make it onto daytime TV. But in the 8th century BC, a godly man called Hosea really did marry a promiscuous woman called Goma and gave his children the strangest of names, including naming his firstborn after a place of massacre. For God called Hosea to live out a message that demonstrated the amazing love and the amazing depths of God's redeeming love. And the biblical account upon which I base this morning's story, well, you can see it there in the first three chapters of Hosea, and it paints a powerful portrait of love, not the romantic, fluffy dreams of teenage love, but real love, love that faces up to facts, pays the price for justice and finds a way to put things right. And the rest of the book adds depth to the story. It weaves together Hosea's personal life, his marriage and his unfaithful wife, with God's marriage to the unfaithful people of Israel and their idolatry with other gods. And it's written, so the scholars tell us, in sharply satirical poetry. And translated into English, you can still see some of the vivid imagery. But it contains many paragraphs of judgment, but each is interlaced with a powerful message of hope. And despite its age, the book speaks straight into our 21st century lives. Just like the times of uh, Hosea and Gomer, then we live in times where society often doesn't expect marriages to last. Society does nothing to help people stay faithful. And we know, some of us from close friends and, and some firsthand, the terrible pain that a broken marriage means. And I don't want to dwell on that this morning, but I just want to say this. God knows how much it hurts when a marriage breaks down. He knows the pain of finding out that someone you love has been unfaithful. And if that means something for you this morning, then please hold on to it, because God has been there too. 
And that's why the message of Hosea is so powerful. God is not a distant deity. No. Hosea brings us face to face with a God who loves each and every one of us, with a love that is far stronger, more lasting, and more faithful than any human husband or wife has ever given. And he loves us like that, even knowing our innermost secrets, no matter what we've done. And sometimes it's possible that we pretend that everything's okay. We turn up at church every Sunday, so so things must be going okay, right? Well, being faithful to God is no more about turning up on a Sunday than marriage is just about wearing a ring. And there are so many temptations, aren't they? And these temptations are as old as the Bible itself. And this morning's story, we saw Goma running after other lovers betraying her faithful husband, and that's a familiar enough story today. And it's held up as a mirror to the behaviour of the people of Israel because they too were being promiscuous in every sense of the word. They were being drawn into Canaanite fertility cults where ritual prostitution was a sacred act that would make the land fertile. And when they were not relying upon elaborate rituals to bring good fortune, then they were pinning their hopes on on things like the might of Assyria or the power of the horses and the war and the army, pinning their hope on secular powers. Now, as far as I'm aware, there aren't any Canaanite temples in Camborne today, so maybe we're not quite so tempted by that one. But that's not to mean we're not without our idols, is it? Idolatry, perhaps, could be defined as as anything which puts something else in God's rightful place. And some, like bowing down before the graven images of other gods, well, that's obviously idolatry. But other things are less obvious, aren't they? And quite often, these things aren't bad in themselves. But when they become all-consuming, and when they take the place of God, then they wreak havoc in our lives. Because unfaithfulness always hurts the one who's being unfaithful in the end. And I wonder what you think counts as idolatry today. And what are the temptations that our contemporary lives offer? Now, I really do wonder this. So you're going to have a couple of minutes to chat between yourselves and see what you think, what we do that's unfaithful to God. What does society tempt us with? So please chat amongst yourselves for a minute or two. And then maybe if you want to tell me some some suggestions at the end, then we'll... We'll just feed those back. I was having such a good conversation there that I, that I nearly didn't come back to carry on my, my talk, actually. It was so interesting. I wonder if there's anything that people particularly wanted to, 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 to feed back. Um, there was anything... I, we, we were saying over here that maybe there are some things which, which tempt us in, in individuals and others that, that reflect our culture and, and the culture encourages us to go off and do. I don't know, does anyone have anything they want to to bring back? This isn't me, but pursuit of unnatural body shapes and image, Mm. which becomes all-consuming for huge numbers of people, I think. Any others? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have the microphone for that? (laughs) (laughs) Anyone else? Yeah, yeah, I think money is definitely, people can follow after money, definitely, yeah. 
I had a couple, I, I did a bit of a, a brainstorm. I did a bit of a Google, actually, and, and came up with some suggestions. And, and actually, I came across a church who spent an entire term talking about this. And uh, their suggestions, now I'm not going to preach you an entire series on these, so you're quite safe. But their suggestions were that you could have consumerism, career, religion, self, power, success, pride, sex, or money. And yeah, I think definitely body image should be in there. That, that was good. So... As soon as we let anything like that dominate our lives, then there's something wrong, isn't there? And if you read through the book of Hosea, then you'll start to see some stark warnings about the consequences of following any of these paths where they lead away from God. But the most wonderful thing about the book of Hosea is this. No matter what we have done, no matter where we are or what we're doing, If we turn back to God, then he will redeem us. Hosea bought back Gomer, paid 15 shekels and some barley to get back his wife. But it was not until she realized that she needed to be redeemed. And then when she asked for forgiveness, God gave Hosea the strength to be merciful and God redeemed their marriage. And not only for Hosea and Gomer, but for the children too. Jezreel, Ruhamah and Ami. God plants, shown mercy, my people. And that redemption, well, it's ours too. And do you remember what Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.9? We had this as a memory verse last year. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, what must we do? Like Gomer, like the people of Israel, when we come back to God, then we know that we can be forgiven. Living in the light of Christ's coming, we know that it was his death on a cross that paid for our redemption. And there is nothing so shameful that it cannot be redeemed by Christ. The book of Hosea concludes with some inspiring words. To paraphrase Hosea chapter 14, we need simply say to the Lord, Forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer you praise. We acknowledge that politics cannot save us, nor war, nor the idols we make for ourselves. Then God says to us, as he promised in Hosea 14 verse 4, I will heal your waywardness and love you freely, for my anger has turned away from you. In a minute, we're going to celebrate communion together. And in the Holy Sacrament, then we'll remember Christ's redeeming death on the cross and the freedom that he's brought us. And so as we prepare to take communion, then there will be an opportunity for us to ask again for the forgiveness that each of us needs. And no matter how broken or unworthy any of us may be feeling, then God loves us and has paid the price to redeem us. We are Ami, God's people. We are Ruhamah, much loved. 
and God has planted us. Israel, God plants here in Camborne. God promises to heal our waywardness and to help us to be faithful to him. He is the author of our salvation and has great plans for each and every one of us. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for what we can learn from the story of Hosea and Gomer. Thank you for your never-ending faithfulness and the hope of salvation that you offer to each one of us today.